You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Sonic Warhead stuff, teenage. Ne- Negasonic teenage Warhead. Yeah, that's what I said, right? Close enough. <laughs> Negascot. Quiet, Jenna. You had your episode last week. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Hey, so what'd you do last week? God damn it. <laughs> I can't get away from it. Yeah, Can dude. I? No. What did we do last week? What did you do? I feel like we did a lot last Play week. Playing games? And yet nothing. Oh, man. No, but I tell you what, uh, in 24 hours... Oh, yeah, I we went to Cidercade. Cade. <laughs> forgot about that. There's that, I guess. Have you been there before? Yeah. Cidercade? Uh-huh. Uh, how, do you, how do you like it compared to Free Play? I don't remember. For like, those they, not... They in, all kind of meld into each other. And not me. in the DFW area. We've got two uh, competing um, adults only. Are they adults only? I guess they are. 21 yeah, and up, Because you've got Kung Fu Saloon still, too, don't you? Uh, we, we don't talk about that oh, here. Oh, okay. That, uh, how, how is that still in the existence? I don't know, man. All the racist like, No black people. That's right. Was that the deal? That was oh, the okay. deal. I was just making sure. Our mutual friend Yabs had a a bit of a run in there. Where uh, not a run in, but I don't believe he was allowed entry. Really? Yeah. That's weird because he doesn't really count. What? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Yabs is kind of like Greg Fields on WFAA, <laughs> the banana in the tailpipe guy. I'm the, not gonna fall for the banana in the tailpipe. The opinions of one Joe Cucinati do not reflect the opinions Dude, of the editing. Dude, Yabs band. knows I love his cock. Yabs doesn't listen to this uh, podcast. He doesn't listen anywhere. to our podcast. I don't know. Maybe he does. Well, he's too busy uh, doing real comedy. That's true. Up in New York Funny City. Guy. New York City. So yeah, we went to a cider arcade, played all sorts of uh, vintage arcade games. Yeah, while drinking Which cider. Ones, hence the name, like apple cider. Uh, ooh, um, they have crackberry. Ever had crackberry? No, they call it that because it's addictive. Like crack is, is it? Is addictive. it an alcoholic beverage or it is. is it just re- no? Eh, like six or seven percent. I don't drink. That's right. You don't, do you? I don't. And I it's not. It's not that. like a religious thing or anything like that. <laughs> it's because I, I had a bad. I started working once. in radio when I was like eighteen, nineteen years old, mm-hmm. and I kind of got a lot of that out of my system. Early. Oh, really? Yeah, that's good. So I don't really do it. I, I got to the point where I didn't. I don't enjoy having. Um, this sounds so fucking pretentious and stupid, but. I don't like not being in control. No, I, I totally get it. I understand. Okay. There's a time and a place. Yeah. Not like your 20s where it's just like, I'm going to be fucked up at work. Right. It's But there's there's some people like like Sarah. She's able to drink and can like just unwind. Like, I'm yeah. going to have a drink and unwind. We heard it on last week's episode. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but I can't because I have very low tolerance mm. for alcohol. So Cheap like it, I have a drink and I, I could be wasted. You're like, um, uh, what's his name from the Big Bang Theory and the Indian kid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's, what's his name? What's that guy's Raj? name? Raj. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Jenna. That uh, <laughs> kid. Be quiet, Jenna. <laughs> I'm K- Kumail Nanjiani. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's in the new Deadpool movie, right? He dri- drives I, the cab. Yeah, that's right. That's Same right. guy, right? <laughs> it was Baby Superman. <laughs> uh, Dude, that Deadpool yeah. trailer. Dude, that new Bed, 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 Bath and Beyond. It's so good. It's so fucking good. Now, the thing is, mm. when I first saw the trailer, it was like it came on before a YouTube video. So it was like a super clean version. Oh, well, that's no fun. You got to watch the red but band. But there's a moment in the clean version that's not in any of the other trailers. Oh. And he's in the car and he's talking about He's like, so basically the man bun's just like a millennial mullet. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it made me laugh so hard, and I tried to find it like the rest of the day. Could not fucking find the trailer where he says it. Maybe they pulled it. Maybe. Maybe some millennials were pissed off. <laughs> That's right. Dude. Yeah, I don't want to kill that lucrative millennial crowd going to see Deadpool too. That. These kids. Yeah. Fuck it, man. You can't tell us about laws and gun control. <laughs> Your kids. You were just eating Tide Pods last week. <laughs> what do you know about life? Is this the type of conversations that are heard it's at your day job? that you heard in my, for now, my day mm. job. <laughs> are, you, are we pre-announcing something on Let's the podcast? Let's just say then? that uh, much like in the movie we're talking about this week, there's a countdown clock now. <laughs> you were canceling the apocalypse? Uh, canceling the apocalypse. <laughs> Guys, this is the Editing Bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name's Joe. Mine's Joel. This is where we come to talk about movies. Sometimes they're good movies, sometimes bad movies. No matter what the case, uh, we will watch a movie every week and then come back here and talk about it with each other, mm. dissect it, try to figure out what it did right, what it did wrong, and see if we could put that bitch back together again uh, our own way. And uh, the, uh, the movie du jour, Pacific Rim. Because yes. this week... We see the release. I mean, this is actually, we're recording late, so you're probably hearing this as Pacific Rim Ooh, Uprising yes. is already you in theaters. You can see it today. That's right. If, in fact, you want to see a sequel to this movie. <laughs> well, before we get to that, if mm-hmm. we're excited about a sequel or not, let's talk about this movie. Uh, 2001's Pacific Rim <laughs> uh, was rated 5,500% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> this is me trying Close. to trying to rattle off the rattle off the stats. Two, uh, 2013 rated PG thirteen with a running time of two hours and eleven minutes. Yeah, uh, written and, and directed by Guillermo del Toro. Oh, did he write it as well? Yeah. Okay, so I'm a little confused. Oh, produced. But didn't Wait, this produced? Didn't this come from like a, a pre existing property? Is it like a graphic novel or I something? I don't know if it did. Did I it? I didn't do my research on this one I because, but it feels like a fucking live action anime. It does. Yeah, dude. There's so like to watch this. You're like. This is how shit happens in anime. Which is simultaneously the best thing about it and maybe the worst. I could see where you're going with that. You know what and I'm talking I, about? I don't completely disagree. Okay. Yeah. Sure, we'll get into that. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to. Dude, so when I first started seeing trailers for this movie, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of out on it. I was like, fuck this. Well, I, for- after the Transformers, like we had already gotten, I think at this point, we got like three shitty Transformers movies. Yeah. And I just wasn't anxious to see what they had going on in more this giant robots fighting other cg monsters yeah yeah um but uh no michael bay connected to this no film. michael bay connected to instead, it instead you have oscar winner now guillermo del toro <laughs> the guy who brought you fucking hellboy on screen joe and there's so much there's so much of that hellboy charm sprinkled throughout this movie uh it, it also uh, ron perlman sprinkled throughout as well hellboy <laughs> yes. himself yeah. get to that later i love joe if i would have told you um back in 2013 after seeing Pacific Rim for the first time, uh-huh. that the director uh, was going to go on to win best uh, best Oscar Oscar for best he, director. He did win the best Oscar. It is the be- we have the best Oscars. Uh, best was it film and director right? Yeah, best director, best Shape film. of Water. Yeah. Would you have believed me having seen this film? I uh, I I don't know. I think I um, after seeing that Peter Jackson could win an Oscar for it's Lord of the point. Rings. I could see Guillermo del Toro, especially since before Pacific Rim, we got right. Pan's Labyrinth, exactly. which I thought was a fantastic film. People loved it. Should have been a contender for Oscar, yeah. uh, and it wasn't. Well, it was in Spanish. That's the problem. I know. Fuck that. Maybe maybe best foreign film, Joe. <laughs> but uh, we speak English in my America. We speak, we speak American. Hashtag MAGA. Um, so, yeah, I guess to be very honest, I could see Guillermo del Toro winning an Oscar. Um, it's just that maybe... <laughs> Maybe not so soon after Pacific Rim. Even though it's been five years, I still think five years is kind of soon after Pacific Rim. Yeah. Well, the post-production on this film must have taken three and a half of those five years because 
damn, this is a, a special effects extravaganza. It, it really is. Um, it, what I like about it is, unlike, and it, it's weird, unlike in the Transformers films, the, the robots in this movie have a weight. Dude, yes. The sense of scale uh-huh. in this film. and, and It's it, consistent. It is very consistent. And it isn't in the Transformers and movie. And it's so subtle. It All you have to do is put the camera like on the ground where a human would be witnessing these things and do a super tilt up. Yeah. And, and I, I think maybe in some of the later Transformers movies, they've they've started to do this. Unfortunately, Michael Bay does that with humans as well. Yeah. Like, he will dig a ditch in the ground to put the <laughs> and camera then, in. And then the camera will just circle around and people. You, and you were up like uh, Mark Wahlberg's crotch yeah. with that camera. And it's like, mm. well, okay, I get... I get that it looks cool, but you're totally destroying what's big and what's small in this film. Although he does go on to uh, fight hand to hand with a uh, dude. What the? F- have you seen that one? Yet? No, I, and I will not see it based on your review. And that others. part was so fucked up. Uh, but what's not fucked up, mm. I think, is uh, much of Pacific Rim. Yeah, I like the science that's developed in this movie. So, guys, uh, uh, just a quick background on this movie. If yes. you haven't seen it, or even if you have, just kind of a little refresher. So. Uh, giant kaiju, giant monsters, mm-hmm. have started making their way up through a, a rift, a portal rift in the Pacific Ocean. That's right. And it's you know they're they're attacking you know different different countries off of the Pacific Ocean. You've That's got right. Australia being attacked, China, uh, California, mm-hmm. like all these different places are being they're being attacked by kaiju. And so the U.S. military, the world military, honestly, yeah. everybody's kind of come together to pull their resources and create these huge robots named uh, called Jaegers. Yeah. And I like how in the beginning we get like this background on the science that like lone pilots, it was just too much of a stress right. to control these robots. With their brains. Neurally with their brains. So they created a two-pilot system. Mm-hmm. And I love that not only is this whole two-pilot system, but they have to become what's called rift compatible. Yeah, they have to drift. Drift, that's what it is. Yeah. Drift compatible. I love I love that this already in the first five minutes, this film has its own language. Yeah. Kaiju, Jaeger, drifting. Mm-hmm. Like it really kind of builds that world just in this. Well, in drifting's this... in like the Fast and Furious movies. True, <laughs> which is a little bit. <laughs> Tokyo Although, Drift. Be cool to see. Uh... That's what Charlie Hunnam does in this movie. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's fucking Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drifts. Uh, that's so racist. It'd be fun to see uh, The Rock and um, Vin Diesel like <laughs> just show up and share minds. Yes. And dude, That'll be the, uh, they hate each other, though. You'll never nine. see that happen. That's true. Uh, so what I like about that, though, is that later in the movie, we re- we introduce that like the drift element is like what helps them figure out how to defeat the monsters at the end. Yeah. That whole thing with Charlie Day. Which is a little... Uh, I mean, I, I liked that concept when I saw it the first time in Star Trek The Next Generation, talking about the Borg, you know, that... Uh, it's the same thing. They have that hive mind. Yeah. Uh, and, and if somebody taps in... Actually, um, we talked about Harry Potter on last week's episode. Uh-huh. Kind of a similar thing going on with Harry and uh, Voldemort. They yeah. can kind of see what each other is thinking. They're drift compatible. They're drift compatible. That's right. <laughs> well, you and I... Do you think you and I are drift compatible? Uh... I, you like if what? you think of the, if you think if we were thrown into the head of one of those Jaegers that we'd be able to fight a monster, and Joe, I think so because often on this podcast and off the air, we we always finish each other's sandwiches. That's right. That's okay. exactly what I was going to say. Um, so I do think we'd be trip compatible. Um, I was thinking about the, randomly. I was thinking about the first time I met you. Like, well, it wasn't yeah. random. I was writing your. Uh, did you did you read the uh, the reference that I? I yeah, I did. That you? was very nice. Was of it you. too little, too late? Maybe. No, it was fine. <laughs> okay. It was fine. It's it's something I'm going to need still. But I was sure. thinking back uh, to the to the, the first time I met you, and like, uh, dare I say, we were was, instant friends. It was Joe. my birthday. Was it your birthday? It was my birthday. 
I went out to karaoke with Jason Cox mm-hmm. and like a couple other people. He brought up some people I didn't even know, and I was just like, it was it was right after my mother had passed away. It was the same year my mother had passed. Yes, and I decided for my birthday I still I wanted to go out to a karaoke bar, and so Jason brought some friends and you came along with him. Uh, and when the bar closed down, like everyone was getting ready to go their separate ways. And you like Jason brought up, like it was my birthday. He was like, I hope you had a happy birthday. And you said something to the effect of, Oh dude, it's your birthday. Well, we can't end the night now. Come on, come on back to my place. And so we went back to your place oh. and you like, you invited us over. And like, I had my friends, I had Nancy and stuff. We were, we were That's there right. and like, we, we had some drinks at your place. And, and I was like, what a cool guy like that. He oh, doesn't even know me from thanks. Adam. And he invited us. For and and you know you you made me feel special because it was my birthday you and you didn't know me. me. Feel... There you go. I was trying to be honest and have a real moment, <laughs> and uh, you brought up a jeans commercial because I like to diffuse uh, the the sentimentality with humor. That's I what gotcha. I do, Joe. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, well, I do that with sex. We... <laughs> <laughs> Someone tries to be sexy with me, and I try to I try to. Oh, like, I thought you meant like I, in I the di- middle. Of I sex. diffuse it. I diffuse like you, it with humor and ruin the moment. You just reach over and honk Sarah's nose <laughs> in the middle of not her nose coitus. <laughs> <laughs> You mean vagina? I pull, I pull a Trump. <laughs> Did you see that story today? Oh, which one? The, the, like, like um, this is Joe Biden. Yeah, that they're talking like, about. Uh, he'd like to take him outside and beat him, beat him up or something like that. Right. And Trump then responds, "Our president." You know what? Politics this is aside, where we are. let's just talk about if you're hiring someone for a job mm-hmm. and you decide to do some research on them. You look at social media <laughs> yes. and you see them like threatening to beat someone up. Are you going to hire them well, for that's a job? Going to the bottom of the list. Yeah, no, you're not going to hire them. Rip up that resume. And so that it's just one of those things where it's one of those things that makes me say something like you know. That's your president, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you know, he, That's he, the guy you voted he for. He says what's on his mind. You know, he's not politically it's correct, refreshing. Joe. It is, isn't it? To have somebody who will just... Uh... <laughs> Be a fucking eight-year-old? <laughs> exactly. De- oh debase God. himself. So ridiculous. And the presidency. Thanks for, uh, thanks for killing us all, yeah. Republicans. Cut that part out, Jeff. Yeah, you may want to cut that out. So, <laughs> so Pacific Rim. Specific Rim. Which, just like in the real world, we're living in a world now where the, uh, the Jaeger program... Uh, it started to fall apart. The 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 kaiju have started to get a little stronger. Yeah, and uh, our our Jaeger pilots ended up getting fucked up by a monster. Mm-hmm. And so now the world has decided, okay, maybe we're not going to put all of our resources in this Jaeger program. Let's we're going to build, build a wall. A wall. And how great does that work out in this film? Jeff? Not at all. That's right. So uh, kaiju are basically Mexicans, is what you're saying. That's what uh, Guillermo del Toro is saying. They, I'm Mexican. <laughs> they, they, we will find I, a way to bust. I am through Hispanic, that wall. and we will bust through the wall if we want to. I like that message. So you better create some German robots. You think they're going to have some sort Jager. of? Uh, <laughs> um, you think they're going to have? Some... Think someone who's really good at piloting one of those would be called a Jägermeister. <laughs> Man, that joke just writes itself. <laughs> it sure does. I'm upset with myself my or not favorite, thinking my of it. Favorite, uh, my favorite British lead singer is... <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? Oh, uh, uh, Mick Yeager. Mick Yeager. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said Chuck Yeager, Chuck but Yeager. it's actually a person. Dude, and a pilot. Yeah, there you go. He is a pilot. No relation to the Yeagers in this film. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chuck Yeager. <laughs> this is Gypsy Danger. No relation. I, but I I love that concept though. Yeah. I love that uh, the only way we could fight back is to, to build giant robots, create monsters of our own. As implausible as it seems, uh-huh. um, but uh, it works in in the world of this film. And how would you describe the world of this film, Joe? Campy, obviously. It's, it's a little campy. It's like a fucking anime. Like mm-hmm. everything is kind of a a combination of everything. You know, you've got like your your 
Eastern influences, your Western influences. Yeah. Like, everything is coming together to create, like, one society. Right now. Uh, Over you. And I like that because it's we are all one person, you know, people. We're all one people uh, fighting these monsters. They're, we have united to fight the kaiju. Uh, and it's really neat, man. I, I like the world that's been built in this movie. If it isn't maybe just a little bit narrow in scope. Oh, you think so? Yeah. How, I think, so, how so? I just think it's a little narrow in scope that you're kind of stuck. Like, a lot of the action seems to just take place in Japan. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. But our primary action takes place in Japan. Fair enough. Um, and so it seems a little narrow in scope. We spend a lot of time in that, like, the military base. It it does seem like for uh, something that affects every human, yeah. like the entire population of the world, uh-huh. that it's basically up to Idris Elba and whatever ragtag team of uh, miscreants. Dude, you mean General Stacker Pentecost? <laughs> the greatest fucking character name of all time. Which I didn't realize. Just oozes fucking balls. Do they ever call him that in this name? In this yeah. film? Yeah. They just always refer Charlie to him Day. As Charlie Day does. Charlie okay. Day calls him when he goes to see um, Ron Perlman. Well. He says, I was sent by Stacker Pentecost. That's not surprising that I didn't pick up on it because Charlie Day is just like screaming his entire dialogue Everything. throughout this entire movie. Everything. He yeah. is Benny the astronaut from the Lego movie throughout this <laughs> yes. entire film. He sounds like uh, Luke Skywalker from A New Hope. That that line where he's like, shut off all the garbage compactors on the detention, detention level. level. That's him through this entire movie. Yeah. Pretty much. But I still loved him. Did you? Yeah, I really like Charlie Day in this for film. For my money, he and that scientist dude are the weakest. Herman. And, and uh, unfortunately, the Ron Perlman character, uh, the aforementioned Hellboy. Weakest part of the film for my taste. I, you know what? I, I think that... I doubt very highly that the Ron Perlman character actually existed in the in the draft in the shooting draft of this movie. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro I think Guillermo del Toro was like, I want to throw a solid to my buddy Hellboy, yeah. and I want to put him in this movie. Sorry, Hellboy three never worked out. But um, uh, what, yeah, do you, what do you got going put, on next? Let's May? put you in here because we're going to make you do something that Hellboy would do, but you're not going to be Hellboy, right? Because that totally like that post credit thing. Where he comes out and he's like, where's my shoe? <laughs> love it. It's totally a Hellboy moment. Uh, and I, I have to admit, like, I love it. I liked Ron Perlman in this movie. He, he's fine. If not, he, if not uh, unnecessary. Well. He was a little unnecessary. He's, but. he's great. No, well, no, I, I, I understand that you have to have that B plot going on in this movie because it's kind of ultimately how they help. Yeah. Or bring them down. Yeah. Take them, take them up, take them down. I'm glad you said that because there's a lot of. It's very derivative of Independence Day. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, we have that speech, the Idris Elba big speech, a la the president from Independence well, the, Day. Just the drift with the alien brain. That's, That's what right. fucking the president does That's to right. figure out what to do. Yeah. Well, I forgot about that, too. Uh-huh. See, it's been done to death. Yeah. But I don't mind it here. I don't mind it here either. Because this world, they've already set up from the beginning that's like, all right, from the trailer, before you even walk into the theater, it's like, all you need to know is giant robots fighting giant monsters that come out of the sea. And you're either in or out based on that premise, right? right? And that's where, ultimately, though, this this film both succeeds and rides the line of failure. Yeah, well, I can't say it fails. There's, it, no, it, it doesn't fail, but it, it it definitely doesn't deliver as much in the way of monsters fighting robots as you want. Like, a good hour of this movie yeah. is just like Charlie Hunnam complaining about not being able to be drift compatible with this the Asian woman Mako. Yeah. Mako. Better get Mako. Uh uh oh. <laughs> and and like kind of that bullshit and like the personal shit that she went through and how she was fa- like 
you get to the point where you're like, okay, enough of the personal drama. I get when it. When do we get to see? When do we get to see fucking monsters? Like like Jeff Goldblum. Uh, there will be uh, <laughs> monsters fighting kaiju in your monster fighting ka- kaiju movie, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so that that's kind of a one of the criticisms that I have of it, that there are so many times in this movie where it's like, Dude, you could have just put some people in a fucking robot to fight some monsters. You gotta have some plot to kind of tie it together. You, but you could still do that. You you could still do that. They introduce these robots like they're going through the base, and uh, and Stacker Pentecost <laughs> is like t- showing Charlie Hunnam. He's like, yeah, these are the three Asian brothers, and they use this robot and they use this style. I love. He's that. like, oh, three armed. But you don't see that robot until the fucking near the end of like, it's the halfway point of the movie. But it's actually where the third act starts. Yes, you're which right. is wild, man. This movie is a little long, I think, for its taste. It's over yeah. two hours, um, and I was kind of ready for it to be done after that last big battle. Yeah, um, and then they throw in the whole "we're going to go down to the rift and, and close the rift." And I get it. I mean, it, it it is a satisfying ending, and oh my god, I'm glad we got to see that final battle. Yeah, it is fucking intense. Um, but yeah, maybe it's that second act that, that kind of slows things down mm-hmm. where we could have gotten to that a little sooner. But I appreciate that they were trying to do something with the characters and not just make it be uh, a campy B movie mm-hmm. uh, and try to give them a little bit of depth. But ultimately, you're not going to be able to do that in a film with giant monsters and robots right, fighting right. each other. So I kind of wish, I almost kind of wish they would have leaned a little bit more into the uh, the Power Rangers-ness of it. Yeah. And, and stop trying to make me care about these generic white dudes. Joe... Uh, am I the only person? Tell me if you thought this too. I was having trouble telling these guys apart for the first act. Yeah, it was a little tough. Everybody kind of looked the same. We already are introduced to the brother, Charlie Hunnam's brother. What is his character's name? Uh, fucking. He's the guy that's on the blacklist. Raleigh Beckett. Yeah, Raleigh can you Beckett's name, brother. Besides, what's his name? Stacker Pentecost. Can you name any of the other characters? I mean, we got Mako, but you just have one name. Um, exactly. Shit. There's the there's uh, Herman is the the British scientist. That's right. Uh, and then there was the, um, fuck, I can't remember, the, the <laughs> exactly. Charlie Day character was but, like Leibowitz or... Re- but I couldn't even remember the main character's name. Oh, I, I could remember the main character's Raleigh? name. They called him Raleigh a couple of times. I guess so. I don't know. It's just, he he looked very much like his brother at the beginning, who yeah. he doesn't last long, so that's not an issue. <laughs> but then they introduced that other white guy who looks just, just like, like him. Like, if you're a casting director, you're like... No, you put those two headshots next to each other. It's like it's going to confuse the audience. It's yeah. it's too it, they're they're too similar. Mm-hmm. They're kind of playing the same type of tough guy, generic white guy. I agree. And then there's that Australian guy who, if he's not talking, I th- I get him confused with the other guys too. <laughs> he's like three generic white guys. Yeah. No, I, I I agree with you. But then you've got uh you have Ed Selba. Yeah. Who's just being fucking awesome hey, this re- entire movie. Remember when uh we did uh, Dark Tower? I, I do remember. Harken back. To two weeks ago, <laughs> three weeks ago. When we reviewed Dark Tower and I said, uh, you know, even in a bad movie, Idris Elba j- just kicks ass, just g- gives a great performance. He's uh-huh. always great. Yeah. I kind of had to dial that back a little bit. Really? Walk it back. This wasn't his best performance, but I still don't think he was bad. I, he wasn't bad, but he didn't transcend the material the way he did in Dark Tower. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not he, blaming him. That's not his fault. I don't think he initially does. I think he comes into his own, but a little too late. Like in the third act, finally, you start to really like... You, he's, you could tell he's starting to really chew on what he's got. You know, he's, yeah. he's making... Uh, he's doing really well with the with the material that he has. In that third act, he's really making it shine. But yes, yeah, there's a lot of in the fir- in the first two acts. There's a lot of him just like walking around, yeah. and being like being monotone. Stern. Yeah, and I don't quite think Guillermo del Toro. 
I, I don't think what Guillermo del Toro wanted translated so completely. You're you're about to bring up something else, which is um, a Mexican director. Yes, uh, speaks English quite quite well, fluently as uh-huh. you listen, but but obviously not his first language. And I'm not sure if it's that style of uh, of, of filmmaking of of, of entertainments that uh-huh. he's brought up with that that kind of uh, advises his his sensibilities when it comes like, to film. like a telenovela style a little bit right yeah. a little bit of overacting um, uh-huh. d- definitely but with that, the Charlie Day and that, scientist that definitely characters. falls into though the the live action anime aspect of this movie yes you know this is like this is about a, a, a degree removed from an episode of Speed Racer dude absolutely yeah <laughs> and and I like that about this movie. Um, but but I feel like when he's directing uh, actors, <laughs> yeah, uh, and and it's hard to say this after after having seen The Shape of Water, where there's some brilliant performances in there. Yeah. Um. But but this one, everybody, even even the heroine, even make Mako Mako Mako. <laughs> Easy for you to say. She's she's a little hard for me to grasp onto as a character, and it's not until we see her flashback while yeah. uh, while she's drifting, um, which is heartbreaking. I know. It's heartbreaking. Right. And then we find out that... This whole, uh, like, fucking being a father thing and watching a scene like that. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what if, what if Harper was all alone on a street and, like, a giant monster chasing a giant monster. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Yeah. But it's okay because uh, she's going to be saved... By Stacker Pentecost. By her new father. <laughs> and, and you're right. When that reveal happens about halfway through the movie, then it's like, oh, okay, now I have something to kind of grasp onto. But up until that point, it, feel, it feels like Starship Troopers. Yeah. Like, it's that caliber of acting... I could see that in filmmaking. Yeah, I could see that. Um, where this uh, where this film makes up for in some of the weird performances and direction mm-hmm. are the action sequences, oh my God. the robots versus the kaiju. Dude, there is a there's an image in this movie that I think is so fucking phenomenal. I felt like it should have been a poster image mm. because it's the image that stays with me. It stayed with me after I saw it the first time, and when I got to see it again watching this movie, like. I I just I got goosebumps, and it's when Gypsy Danger has mm-hmm. decided to go out and help. Like it's at the Gypsy it's, Danger it's is the, the name of their uh, their their Jaeger. Jaeger, yeah. Uh, so all these other Jaegers go out to take out a couple of kaiju that have shown up, mm-hmm. but the kaiju have learned how to like short out the electrical systems. Yeah, I like got EMP. Yeah, and so they 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 make the the case that like Gypsy Danger doesn't have that it's nuclear power. It's nuclear powered, so send it out. And so they finally send Gypsy Danger out, and uh, Gypsy Danger gets in this fight with this kaiju. And ends up like killing one, and then goes into the city to take out the other one, and is dragging a fucking tanker <laughs> yes! ship as a sword. I should and it's have the guessed. Coolest fucking image yep. ever. Yep. I fucking love that. And then just begins to like pummel him oh, with yeah. this uh, this huge tanker ship. Uh huh. I, I I thought that's where you were going because that one stuck with me as well. Yeah, dude. And just because it's come on the heels of this battle where we've already lost two Jaegers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's about to be destroyed, and and it's in the city. We've had quite a death toll in this movie off yeah. off screen I guess mm-hmm. but the amount of buildings that are just like crushed just getting through, destroyed you have to imagine just millions of, of souls were lost but uh, j- speaking to what we were talking about earlier you know getting a, a an accurate sense of scale of like how big these robots really are yep. that fucking bit where it's dragging a fucking tanker ship you're like oh okay this thing is fucking big, man. I, I can see that. That's- that, and I love uh, during the, I think it's one of the last fights where um, they're, he's about to punch one of the monsters in the face and they initiate like the elbow Oh, the booster. rocket. The rocket. Yeah, the elbow rocket. Yeah, elbow rocket. And it just like propels his entire arm <laughs> into, and just like crushes that monster's skull. 
and and it's little things like that where you realize, oh yeah, this is basically like a space shuttle. Like this is the size of the space shuttle. Yes. Just imagine it being an arm. <laughs> like if this were a huge uh, constructicon, right? Come together. And yeah, yeah. It would take that much propellant to move that arm. Oh, it's at it's that so speed. great. And then like just the design of the kaiju, and how each one, each one is based on like a some shark. kind of animal, like mm-hmm. a shark or or an ape or whatever. Um, but they share the same DNA, Joe. I love how like the the one grabs Gypsy Danger and then grows like it spreads out its wings, dude, and then starts flying into the atmosphere. I have a couple of whoa moments written <laughs> yes. down. Uh, that was one of them because you didn't see that coming. Uh-uh. He's winning the battle, and then all of a sudden this guy, yeah, just gets him in a chokehold, and <laughs> there come the and then just uh, flies yes. off into the atmosphere, and you're like, oh fuck. The other whoa moment for me came at the end of the, the huge climax where they're underwater. They're uh-huh. trying to deliver the payload into the, 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 the rift. Is that uh-huh. what it is? Yeah, the, the, the void or the, whatever yeah, it is. It's not the rift because we have the drift, so I'm getting it confused. <laughs> but wherever all the aliens are, are, are coming from, uh-huh. this, this alternate dimension, um, and uh, there's this, this eel-like creature. Oh, God, yeah. That is uh, barrowing down. In, and we've already introduced now that uh, the Jaeger has like a sword arm uh-huh. that can come out. <laughs> yes. And you think it's about to get taken down. Uh, and at the last minute, sword arm comes up, and as the thing is flying into him, just like splits it in half down the yes. middle, sh- shears it in two, and it just goes around him. And you're just, that that is a fist pumping. Yeah, moment. dude. There's there's a lot of stand up and cheer moments in this movie. Um, one of the things that I also have to kind of doff my cap at in this in this mm. film is uh, the way that like the robots fight. And then how uh, Guillermo del Toro is able to translate that to the live actors yes. in the control room on and the stuff, set. On the set. And I think that it gives it, there's such a sense of believability that these people are piloting these robots. Yep. It's, it's amazing. I don't know if, there was a movie that came out in the early 90s called Robot Jocks. Hmm. I don't know if you ever saw that. I'm not familiar with it. It's really bad. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like, it, at the time, like it was kind of a big studio release. And it was about robots. Like instead of waging war, countries waging war, they had robot gladiators that would fight. And whoever won those fights, then that country would take whatever territory. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and like it was all <laughs> this like Ray Harryhausen, like claymation oh, no. style shit. Yeah. But in the 90s, it was still like Ed 209 looking. So it was like, oh, okay. Kind of juddery. Uh, and... But like, the robots didn't have a sense of weight or a sense of heft, uh, and also like the people controlling the robots, it wasn't it wasn't believable. You, mm-hmm. There was there was definitely a disconnect. Here, like everything feels so seamless between what's going on in the cockpit yeah. and what's happening in the exterior. When when the kaiju gets or when the uh, when the Jaeger gets punched, you see it at the interior, the little control room they're in, and it is j- like they're it is coming off the rails, yeah, like dude. they're being jostled around like uh-huh. nobody's business. And I love that. Uh, how they illustrate them being able to walk. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of like on these uh, little floating platforms for their feet. Yeah, yeah. And just in unison, you've got these two guys walking. And yeah. kind of, not, not always a one-for-one translate, uh, because you see them walking inside in you know, the live-action sequences. Right. They're clearly walking much faster uh-huh. than, the, than, uh, the, than the robot is. Skin. But you know what? Whatever. It's mm-hmm. movie. Movie. I'll forgive it. Yeah, dude. But uh, one more thing to the, the sense of scale you're talking about. There is one shot that is you know from street level looking up. And it's kind of a it's kind of a one eighty mm-hmm. as it shows one of the Jaegers like walk over the camera like yeah. it's like through a city street uh-huh. and you realize with every foot impact 
just the amount of damage that's being done. Too done. The yeah. cars are being displaced, <laughs> and just from fucking walking, like, yeah. let alone battling a giant monster. Oh yeah, no, you're you're not kidding about that too. Like the collateral damage is ridiculous in this movie. Like the Jaeger and the Kaiju start fighting, and they end up in a shipping yard, and like the the oh Jaeger God. just picks up some like can- like these containers yeah. and just starts using them as like brass knuckles or whatever yeah. and punching. Uh, the amount of damage that both Jaeger and Kaiju are able to take in this film is ungodly. It's quite unbelievable, and it made me question, like, they really should have written in, and maybe they did and I missed it, but, like, what material are these uh, yeah. machines made out yeah. of? Because there's only so you know, yes, they're made of steel, one would imagine, but there's only something, we've seen what happens to steel. Mm-hmm. It can be destroyed. Yeah, it can. Um, and yet, it, it falls from the atmosphere. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, when with just like one little boost to slow it down from its chest yeah. rocket or whatever uh, <laughs> is cool, able to land and not just cool, disintegrate. Such a cool part though. Yeah. When the smoke clears and there's gypsy danger, I'm like doing oh, the three, the three stance, the, the hero landing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dun, 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 dun. So um, that's another. Can I mention sure, that right please, now, please? Because uh, I love the music in this film oh, because yeah. I love that it has a theme mm-hmm. and you're introduced to it right off the bat uh, and it and it it brings it back. Uh, over and over again, and especially nowadays, when even in the, the the Marvel movies, movies that are 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 made to have like a superhero theme, you know, think back to Superman. You know, we can all sing the obviously all the John Williams Star yeah. Wars uh, Batman Batman. Yep, exactly. Um, and then somewhere in the early two thousands, when all these Marvel movies started coming out, it just kind of turned into um, we're just going to pick two chords. And you know, I, can you hum the Spider-Man theme, Joe? Like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man oh. theme? <laughs> oh shit, no, I can't. It's kind of there. It's, it's very it's Danny loose. Elfman. Exactly. Um, they're very generic sounding, and I, and I wonder if Marvel isn't doing that on purpose so well, that they all kind of feel like we're in the same world. But we have a, de- a definite Avengers theme. Yeah, but even that isn't very hummable. Bum, 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 bum. You just proved my point. Thank you. <laughs> It's not like the Superman theme. It's so not. it's it's great in the year 2013 that we have this. X2 had a good theme. And then they ended up bringing it yes. back to Days of Future Past. Uh, and even uh, Apocalypse. That's right. Because... John Ottman did the score for this. Yeah, those. he did. And doesn't he edit as well? He's an editor. And, dude, an, that is my dream job. Is to be an editor and edit the score film And write the music for yeah. it. Like those, so it's two great that's, tastes. That's, tastes why great the, that's why the score works for X2. It works so well. Mm-hmm. God, that's a good movie. Yeah. X2 is still a really good movie, man. Still, uh, well, we'll see if Deadpool beats it for uh, best superhero sequel. Well, I mean, we've already got Thor Ragnarok. Oh, good point. So we'd have to see if Deadpool beats Thor Ragnarok for best superhero sequel. I I will take that. Oh, my gosh. Dude, I'm so excited about fucking Infinity War. Yeah, are you? I really am, yeah. I am, too. I'm super excited about it. I'm just prepared for it to be a... We're already planning uh, seeing it a a second time. Uh Uh-huh. And making those arrangements, and it's like, oh, man. It's not like... Like it was with Star Wars, where hey, three days after we see it the first time, we get to see it again. It's more like, oh man, I have to see this three days after. It's going to be such an emotional wait that I'm not sure I'm going to be ready for it. Do right? You know, I I've only seen the Last Jedi once. What? Yeah. No, no, no. You saw it twice. No, I saw it once. No, because you had like an advanced screening, didn't you? And no. then saw it a second time. No, didn't see the advanced screening <gasps> of the Last you Jedi. Didn't did you? I've only seen the Last Jedi once. That's the only Star Wars movie. That I have only watched once wow. in the theater. We'll stick around after the podcast. I'll drop fucking, off a thumb drive, dude. I fucking <laughs> no, but, but seriously, like I saw the Force Awakens 
no shit eight times in the theater. Jenna and I saw it five times in theater. I and saw then it so and loved it. The every day fucking it came time. out on DVD or, or video, as uh, Sarah would have us call it. <laughs> um, watched it again that night and have seen it what dozens of times. Yeah, now, probably yeah, or a dozen anyway. Um, yeah, very highly rewatchable. But you, should, dude, it's better on repeat viewings. Did you see the um, Jason Cox uh, shared a link with me? Uh, the the fight in the red room in <laughs> with the, to, to to Queens can't stop me now stop me now gotta have a good time it's so great it works it's so fucking great and I just wish now that someone please if anyone's listening to this I want every Star Wars movie scored to a Queen soundtrack <laughs> that would be my dream come true it can be arranged yes yeah who did it, it better it could be arranged Shaun of the Dead or Last Jedi uh, Last Jedi <laughs> you think it's I think than... Last Jedi uh, uh, but no I, I well you should I get digress, another give honestly. it another shot I will I guess I will eventually it's, it's still a very good film yeah yeah mm. yes okay yeah it is okay all of the stuff that has to work works just it's... forget about the stuff that doesn't <laughs> seriously the stuff between Kylo Ren and, and Ray is, okay. is perfect. Okay. Uh, I, I love what they did with Luke. Yeah. I, I wish maybe they didn't kill him off so soon. Would have been nice to see a, a different ending. Did you see the uh, how it should have ended animated? Uh, yes. Those guys. Where they just stop all the lasers and then they just baseball the fucking lasers back at all the vehicles. I love almost every idea in that <laughs> short. And I kind of wish my brother posted that on the Facebook page. It's Follow so us funny. on Facebook. Um, and uh, yeah, I kind of wish they would have... Uh, they would have taken some of those cues. Well, it would subverts been... expectations, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a, be... That is why you don't write for the Dallas Morning News. That's, that's, that's right. <laughs> those insights so, that you're not privy to. So Pacific Rim. Specific Rim. Um, I, now I want to kind of touch on some of the things that didn't quite work for mm-hmm. me. Um, and I'm going to start with, and this is weird because it's one of the things that I wanted more of, but it's the, all of the robots like fighting the kaiju and i feel like only gypsy danger is what mattered mm, uh and yeah. so i felt like introducing these other ones was just like kind of a waste of time because they didn't last long anyway we never saw them fight anything else yeah and then they like died the first time we saw them go out and fight kaiju yeah so why did they matter they like they they were just there as fodder yeah but to, it was to show the the dire situation that we were in you kind of get glimpses of them at the beginning mm-hmm. during that that preface yeah and then you know when uh the the, the requisite uh scene where he's being introduced and here are the Russians and here's their Jiger Jiger Jaeger Jiger combined combined kaiju with the eye of the Jiger um also Charlie Hunnam coming back from like building a wall. And, like, being Mr. fucking boss man of, like, well, I'm going to pick who my fucking co-pilot is. It's like, you don't have And I felt like Stacker Pentecost really should have been a little bit more uh, assertive in his role as the general. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, no, we're actually auditioning you to see who you would work with best, not not the other way around. Well, he did fly a helicopter in to recruit him specifically, so that'll give anybody a big head. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, seriously, they were straight up doing, like, dojo fighting, like, you know they were they were sparring, and he's like, not the, not this guy, not this guy. Yeah, how about her, mm-hmm. Mako, 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 <laughs> Mori. That was Mako Mori, <laughs> and just some of the 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 dialogue was a little uh, oh yeah, a little hokey you and cheesy. So? Where he's like, I know you felt it. We're drift compatible. <laughs> Well, that's why I'm saying I kind of wish they would have leaned a little bit more into the campiness of it yeah. instead of try to make you feel about these characters because uh-huh. it's not happening in this film. 
Not when Idris Elba is talking about we're canceling. The, we're, that was the trailer shot that they that used. That line, though, I That's really did like line. it. I loved it. We're, we're canceling, canceling the apocalypse. Like, if I'm there in that crowd, I'm kind of like, do, do we cheer now? Is, this, <laughs> is that a good thing? Wait, was the apocalypse? Was that a like, good show? You know, what if we was, just, was that a good show? Why are we canceling? <laughs> it? What if we just postpone it? What if it's not canceled? Well, obviously, it's been postponed. Can I get a rain check because to this there's apocalypse? a sequel to Pacific Rim? Oh, that's right. <laughs> so what is what is John Boyega do in this new movie? Well, is he like, we are recanceling <laughs> the apocalypse that was obviously picked back up for yeah, a half season. We're not con- continuing the option for. <laughs> we are not greenlighting a third episode of this pilot. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, it does seem a little weird. He, so he's playing he's the playing son, Jake Pentecost, of, which not nearly as cool. not as cool as General Stacker Pentecost. I feel like if you have that cool of a name, you have a, an obligation to your children to give them to give equally them a as cool, cool names. Name. Yeah. yeah, like Vatican Pentecost, <laughs> <laughs> Moriarty Pentecost. I like that. Instead, it's kind of like the equivalent of like. Dave Pentecost. John, yeah. I'm surprised he just wasn't a junior. Just, yeah. Stacker Pentecost Jr. Junior. Junior. Stacker Pentecost the fifth. The fifth yeah. <laughs> so then we learn about like the legacy, the line of and I also feel like we'd probably known about that and that's what I don't like about this idea of the sequel that it's Jack, Jake's Jake Pentecost, mm. the son of Stacker Pentecost. Well, that we, we never heard of. Never heard of him. Like you would think that Stacker Pentecost's what? final words would have been like Say goodbye to my son for me, or also, like there'd be pictures of his boy. Like if if Mako Mako Miko is Makomori. his uh, uh, adopted daughter, basically, <laughs> yes. right? Well, she never talks about her brother, <laughs> right? Like, wh- wh- where is he through this whole time? And apparently, she's in the sequel. Yeah, yeah, she's all grown up. They work together. They're they're drift compatible. I guess she is the stacker Pentecost. But Charlie of... Hunnam doesn't come back. No, I'm fine with that. Are I'm you fine with? It's... Was he the was he the weak point of this movie? No, you know what? And that's that's the sad point. He's a fine actor, and and he hits all the beats here. And I think he's great. He's just very generic. I, I don't I know how against, else to say it. against the backdrop of every other generic white man that's in the movie. Yeah. I, I feel like you're right. There's nothing about him that really stands out. I would have liked to have seen somebody with a little more of a unique feel about him. You know, speaking of previously the Spider-Man, you know, everybody was kind of up in arms when Tobey Maguire was cast, but I, nobody, nobody's not going to remember Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man. Yeah. Right? I like Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I, I like that choice. I do too. Um, all right. What about what else about this movie? Let's see. Hmm. There, there, so, there was a, a couple. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, there, there's a couple of bits. Like the while the dialogue's hokey and ridiculous, there, there is a moment. I'm sorry. I, I pulled up my phone and now we're getting like the feedback here. Um, I did like the moment where, uh, where okay, so Charlie Hunnam Raleigh is trying to get Makamori to be his co-pilot, mm-hmm. and like Stacker Pentecost won't have it. And at one point, he's like chasing Pentecost down the hallway, and he grabs him by the arm. And I love like oh. Idris Elba just like looks at his arm that moment. and then looks at him and he says he says something like okay two things yeah one, one. don't ever don't you ever touch me again two don't, don't you ever, ever touch me again <laughs> yeah. first rule of Fight Club is <laughs> don't talk about Fight Club yeah I like that uh, I yeah, I like that touch um, he was a badass except from the waist down he did not actually carry himself as legit military. The way he walked, the way he stood, like when he turned around on the elevator, his legs were all fall, far apart and stuff. And I was like, there's something very unofficial about you. That's a good point. That I don't quite buy as military. Hmm. Um, though Idris Elba is definitely on my list. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what, what list is this? After a couple of drinks, yeah. And Idris Elba, like, approaches me and he's like, 
what do you say you come back to my place <laughs> and I fuck your mouth? <laughs> and I I would have to think about that. <laughs> I would I would definitely have to be like I get, uh, may, maybe I get the I feeling uh, Idris Elba doesn't ask. He just, <laughs> he just does. He just does. That's right. He's like he who asks has forgotten the face <laughs> of his father. <laughs> Listen to our Dark Tower episode from two weeks ago. I don't kill with my gun. <laughs> I kill with my he dick. He who kills with his gun has forgotten the face of his father. I kill with my dick. Oh, that's so great. I'd be like, okay, okay Stacker. Okay, yeah. Can you be Stacker Pentecost? <laughs> Just, and like, I might call you Roland. Yeah, call me Rolly. <laughs> but, but uh, okay. You know what? Fuck it. Let's do this. Uh, Luther. I'll also call you Luther once in a while. That's great. Have you ever watched that show? Luther? No, the I don't BBC know. show Luther. No, is that it's, where he got his start? Yourself? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Fucking great. Fucking great. What's it about? It's about Luther. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> sign me up then. It's so good. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so I think we talked about the things that it does well. Yeah. So let's focus on maybe some of the weaker moments. Okay. Uh, and for me, as I mentioned before, it's that whole B plot with Charlie Day and that scientist, and it's not so much the story. It's their act. They are, it is cringeworthy. It is painful to watch them perform. And I like Charlie Day, and uh-huh. I even like that other guy who's playing the, the, the sniveling scientist. Yeah, the guy from Torchwood. The, the, yes, thank you. That's yeah. where he's from, whose face looks like it's made of plastic. Like, uh-huh. doesn't he look like a robot he or sure something does. from Westworld? Sure does. Wasn't he in, like, a um, a Mission Impossible movie or something, too? I think so. Yeah. Playing a, he plays a spy in something. I think so. Um, but, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. But the, 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 the overacting that they're doing, the, the cartoonish nature in which their characters are portrayed, mm-hmm. really felt... It felt out of place in this film. It felt it, out of place in, in, in a, a movie about, robot. like, where, where Charlie Hunnam's, like, screaming out stuff like, let's do this together. And I'm like... Okay. Yeah, but the, I mean, the, the, there's campiness and then there's cartoony. I, I and I get exactly what you're saying. And it felt just a little annoying. Saying. Although I I did appreciate there's one moment where, that Charlie Day has when he's he's met the Ron Perlman character, <laughs> which by the way I love the idea. This is how well fleshed out this world is that there is a black market for kaiju parts for, for the remains of the defeated kaiju and yeah. he's like selling. So Ron Perlman is a, as soon as the kaiju goes down, he's got his crew on the scene. Like that's right, we're getting the spleen, him. yeah, we're getting the bone, crush it down to powder. You know how much that goes for? <laughs> Fifty million. It's not that. Um, but uh, when Charlie Day's talking about, yeah, I, I, I uh, because well, he, he wants to get a brain, yeah, or, or I dr- the I secondary drifted, drifted brain with the kaiju. Well, he doesn't tell him though. He's like, I, what do you? He, Ron Perlman asked him, what do you want the secondary yeah, brain because for? Because everything is valuable on a on a kaiju except the brain. Like nobody wants the brain. Yeah, he's like, I, it's I can't tell you, but it's something pretty cool. So I might tell. I you. might tell. You. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and that's a nice moment. That's where he was kind of allowed to, to to do his thing. But yeah. it's that voice. And and that other scientist, like when he's in when he's in the 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 uh, like they they throw him into like the the what is it the the shelter yeah or whatever and he he keeps screaming out he's like it's after me it's after me yeah it's after me I'm he's like such a the, sniveling coward shut the fuck up yeah just shut the fuck up man. <laughs> who's gonna know because now they're like well get him the fuck out of here yeah. because he's he's kind of portrayed as not necessarily a badass but. He's he's all into these guys, all, all into the the kaiju. He's got uh-huh. tattoos of them all, and he's like, "This this is what twenty five thousand tons of pure awesome, right?" Yeah. Um, and then to see him just kind of be reduced to uh, do quivering a, a lips, sniveling twit. That's right. Yeah. No, I I got you, and and I do see that, and there definitely is a difference between the campiness that's the charm of this movie, 
and then like the over like the children's theater overacting. Yeah, that's yes, kinda... it almost feels like a different director was directing those scenes. Like yeah. they had a second director doing yeah. the Ron Perlman stuff. But Ron true. Perlman saves it, I think. He's so fucking he great. Steals man. every scene that he's in. He's so fucking and great. And I love the way he goes out. Yes. Because <laughs> I did not see it coming. He's I like... should have seen it coming. <laughs> you should have. When he threw the knife at the kaiju's nose. Yep. And then like and I love how he's like, love this knife. It's my favorite knife. And that's right there, check Chekhov's gunning like the fact that, oh, that knife's going to come into play later. When he gets eaten, I'm like, that knife is still going to come into play later. And it does. Stick and it around does. for the credits. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's such a great... Like, it's two seconds of pure gold. I mean, seriously. When he cuts that thing open and pops out, and he's like, where's my shoe? Yeah. Fucking love it. He's great. And I, I had think to, he'll show up in the sequel. I had to go back and look and see, like, when he gets chomped up by the kaiju, uh-huh. does his shoe fly off? Sure does. It sure the fuck does. Attention to detail. It does. It is so shocking, that moment. <laughs> and and it, I love it because it happens in mid-sentence. He's <laughs> yes. in the middle of saying something in that little baby kaiju. I also like that reveal, too. Um, oh, that it was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, we still hear the heartbeat. It's still alive. Yeah. No, it's pregnant. The brain is damaged. <laughs> it was it was good man that's it's so creative and one it of the is. things and you know me like i complain about this with movies all the time uh and i will run a movie like I'll, I'll crucify a movie if it doesn't stick to its own science if it it you know it establishes and that's what this movie does really well it establishes a science and it fucking sticks to it and it, it follows its own rules and that's why you're really drawn in and you really uh you buy what's going on you become very invested because they believe the rules mm-hmm. of this movie, so you do too. It's so fucking fun. It's it's popcorn matinee like gold, uh, but it's definitely the kind of movie that you could throw on at home, oh, get, the, yeah. get your buddies together and watch it, and it's it's super fun. Like I keep trying to think of like what would I compare this movie to, and it's a little bit of uh, Independence Day. Yes, it's a little bit of WWE. Uh, where like it's just like monsters and I love like just the posturing the theatrics of, of the it the theatrics of the of the Jaegers when they come out yeah. and like their entrances where Gypsy Danger gets brought out on fucking helicopters yeah, and, and then cool dropped, dropped down into, into the, the ocean at a certain point they're like on a huge conveyor belt <laughs> yes just being uh, wheeled out there's like so much North Korean pomp and circumstance with these fucking robots yeah. and honestly all they need to do is just like okay open the doors we're gonna run out and fight the kaiju it's fun I had a great time revisiting this movie yeah yeah it, it's fun to watch i can recommend it that said mm. i'm not really excited about a sequel <sighs> because it's going to be more of the same and and granted that's the best parts of this film like the the action scenes are intense uh and i, I you can't take your eyes off them and again the sense of scale there's a sense of and i know they'll find another way uh especially when a movie's you know when a movie makes money and this movie did you obviously Good. have to you have to strike while the iron's hot and here we are six years later yep. <laughs> to finally make another film. <laughs> well, again, the post-production on these things has got to be yeah, three years. But but I guess one of the things that frustrates me, and there's really nothing you could do about it, but one of the things that frustrates me about a sequel to a movie like this is the sacrifice made at the end of the first Pacific Rim. There's a sense that, oh, so I guess it didn't mean anything. That Stacker Pentecost sacrificing like him and the other and the dude's son I know. sacrificing themselves. Kind of didn't matter yeah. in the end. Just because, like Independence Day Resurgence. Yeah, exactly. It's that masterpiece of filmmaking. <laughs> 2016. Listen to our Independence Day Resurgence episode from uh, 2016? 17? Yeah. 17. 17. Yeah, 2017. So uh, so that's that's a frustrating thing about it. And I, I'll tell you, I, I'll see it 
in the hopes that there will be more robot battles. <laughs> under protest? I'll, no, not really under protest. Just going back to the whole movie pass thing. Like, you know, I, I'm not excited about it, but I'll see it. And I'll hope that there's more of the Jaeger versus Kaiju battles. That there isn't a whole lot of like, you know, bullshit where we're trying to figure out who's rift compatible, drift compatible with who. Well, and, and now Joe, not only are they fighting uh, the the Kaiju, but they're fighting amongst themselves. We see robot on robot, robot. action mm, here. So, so hot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what about cool. you? Are you are you are you excited to see a sequel? Well, to this? I'm not just now looking through the cast. And I'm realizing that they're bringing back my two least favorite characters. Yeah, the scientists. Fucking Charlie Day and Burn Gorman. Is yeah. that actor's name? Yeah. Um, so, but different director, though. So maybe he's going to tone it down a little bit. Who is this? What else has that director done? Stephen S. DeKnight. Uh, also did Spartacus, War of the Damned. Mm-hmm. It's not looking good. Oh, Daredevil. <laughs> oh, but the Netflix show. Oh, oh well, that's okay. okay. Known that's a, for. It's a good show. Uh, Angel and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ah. So this might be kind of a fun, like, this might have some pretty clever dialogue. Some witty, mm. Is Joss Whedon writing it? Written by Stephen S. DeKnight. So himself. Okay. <laughs> and three, four, five other people. That's never a That's good sign. That's not a good sign. But it's, it's fucking giant robots fighting each other. Seriously. What do you want? Are they in the Pacific? Is there a rim? <laughs> are the robots fighting giant monsters? You know, that is a complaint that I have. I don't yeah. think the title of this film, while it makes sense once you know, because that's the setting... Yeah, Jen is agreeing with me over here. The title does not scream giant monsters and fighting robots. Right. It should have been called Jägermeisters. <laughs> it should have been called Jägermeisters. Sadly, there is a trademark dispute that uh, kept them from doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Or, or I don't know. The, Kai, it, Kai, it, Kai Jewish it holiday? came from underneath or something like that. <laughs> Kai Jewish holiday. <laughs> Uh, you Oi, vey! You've got me thinking about the Deadpool. I'm a kaiju. The Deadpool 2 trailer Deadpool. where it says, from the makers of 27, 27 dresses. dresses. <laughs> That's so great. And Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants that's or something. That's so great. Yeah. Um, Good times. Okay. Well, that's that's about all I've got for Mention, this one. Do you have anything else? Well, we talked about all it. All right. So what did, just to recap, what did Pacific Rim do right? Again, you know, the effects are great, but it's that... Set, you can have special effects. You can have great-looking special effects. A special effect is just a tool <laughs> to tell a story. But getting that sense of scale down and putting the camera and angling it, and, and it, it, the, it's the problem I have with... Uh, oh. With the Beauty and the Beast remake from, is that 2017? I was the one who had it all. Listen to our Beauty and the Beast episode. And I was me, the master of my fate. You'll hear me complain about the camera work. I never needed anybody Be- in my life. Because when they have a CG camera. I learned the truth. That can Too fly late. around and through anything. I try to shake away the pain. You've got the CGI effects director. I close my eyes, but she's still there. Who is deciding where the camera moves and how it flows. I let her slip into my melancholy heart. And no real camera can do that. It's more than I can bear. <laughs> and I know she'll never leave me. I could just turn your microphone down here. I Even realize. as she... <laughs> Motherfucker! That's the I have, best part of the I can't song. believe it. It took me two years to realize I could best. just pot you down. What's that, Joe? Joe? Joe, what was your favorite part of the movie? So uh, follow us on Editing Bay at... Uh... Am I back? There you go. You're back again. I apologize. There we go. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, J, K, Simmons. And we're Simmons. ready to start. Simmons. <laughs> Let's get rolling. What'd you uh, do this weekend? So this... <laughs> <laughs> so the sense of scale, um, very, very. You can tell that Guillermo was in there. He didn't just let the 
the effects director put the camera where he wanted. He was like, "Nope, it's going to be here. Here's yeah. where the shot is. Here's how slow everything needs to move." It was deliberate. Yeah, it was. It, everything was plotted out. You could tell very well. Uh, what I thought that Pacific Rim did right was uh, the uh, not only that sense that it was a live action anime because I, that, that fucking just delighted my nerdy heart, but again. The science. They establish so much science in this movie, and it grounds this world. It makes this fantastical world of monsters fighting robots mm-hmm. seem very real oh, yeah. and very tangible, uh, and they stick to it religiously. You know, there there is never a point, I think, in this movie where they violate the rules of their own science that they establish. And in that, that kudos to you, yeah. because it's not like they just came up with, like, one thing. Like, all oh, right, we just have the... Like, I think of that movie. What was that? It was called Jumper with Hayden Christensen. Oh, yes. And And Sam Jackson. And the only thing that they established was like teleporting. These people could teleport. And even then, they had a hard time sticking to their fucking science. Yes. This this movie has so much complex shit going on. And they stick to it. And the whole like, the fact that drift compatibility Mm -hmm. is something that's believable for piloting these robots. But then they also managed to use it as a MacGuffin on how to figure right. out what's going on with the with the beasts. I agree. Like, that's really clever. That's smart. And you didn't have to introduce some other thing in the third act. It's something it was that was with us time. the entire time. Yep. That's skillfully done. Although, uh, to counter that, they do do the whole, uh, uh, I, I can't automatically uh, you know, rea- react the, the adjusters. We're going to have oh, to do God. it manually. We have to do it manually. Go, there's always a fucking Jesus manual switch Christ. that the guy's got to get out of his gear and go climb <laughs> down into the basement to do manually. Yeah. Why are they building those things? Not only that, but they kind of had their cake and ate it too with that, where he had to go do it manually, but he still got to his chair and got to the escape pod and like got out of there. Meanwhile, Stacker Pentecost and the other dude are dead. I know. Because they had to blow up the nuclear payload that was on. But I'll tell you, dude, they did a great job in like in those in that final fight, especially where Gypsy Gypsy Danger was fucked up. Yeah. And so you're like, you're like, this fight's done. The moment the monster like tears its arm off, you're like, yes. oh, sh-. and that was the first volley. Like that's, it was his opening move. And that's what happens in the beginning of the movie when his brother dies yeah. is that arm gets fucking taken out. That's right. He's like, whoa, shit. Yep. Uh, so it's monster still, reaches into the cockpit and grabs the little human and rips yes. him out. That's fucking terrifying. It's so it like it still creates that sense of uh, I don't feel like we're safe. No. Uh, even watching it again, you're like, Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. It's, it's intense. Um, so what did Pacific Rim do wrong? Uh, well, it's, it's those two those two characters in that subplot. Uh, I, I just wish the, the directing and the acting would have been a little more subdued, uh, and I wouldn't have been bugged by it as much. I understand that it, it may fit into this world, um, but it still wasn't... Um, it wasn't my favorite part of the movie. And yeah. I, I, every time they were on screen, I was just wishing I could get back to the, the giant robots and monsters. Fight. I got you. It's also a little bit long over two hours. Yeah. Didn't and, need to be. And that's kind of my, my main gripe about the movie is that it, it's too long of a running time. Uh, for a popcorn matinee flick like this, it's just basically about robots fighting monsters. You could have cut down a, a good 25 to 40% of the character development because it didn't really matter much. Uh, because we, yeah. we came to... You sold us on robots fighting monsters, yes, and as long here. as you deliver on that, it's fine. You know, you gave it, you did your Guillermo del Toro thing, though. You gave us a compelling story along with it, but still, just a little too much character development. Is that what you think it did wrong? Uh, I, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is what it did wrong. Uh, all right, so if we were going to remake mm. the original Pacific Rim now, how would we do it, Joel? Uh, I recast six characters. 
Um, and Ron Perlman I, is one of them. I did six, and Ron Perlman's one of mine, too. Is he at the bottom of your list? Yes, he is. Well, let's start Hannibal there. Hannibal Chow. <laughs> is that his name? Yes. That's so great. You know what? I'll start. How about that? Okay, that sounds um, good. Well, I can't take credit for this one, because uh, originally I was going to go with Kurt Russell, um, just because nice. he seemed appropriate. But uh, Jenna mentioned um, when she saw a screen grab that Ron Perlman looks like Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, my God. So I'm going to re-guess Dog the Bounty Hunter in that role. Uh, I am the dog. You don't even have to have a set, uh, a, 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 a costume designer. Just no, man. Like, just, just bring whatever you're wearing wear to the your set. Wear your shit, man. I'm sure it'll be fine. Wear your vests. And your hat. And bring your pepper spray. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I went with a uh, a guy that we're used to seeing get like killed in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it would be a, a, a nice, pleasant surprise to see him get eaten, but then climb out of a kaiju. Mm-hmm. I went with Sean Bean. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'd like to I'd like to yeah. see Sean Bean in that role. That would be fun. Uh, who do you have next? I, I have a theme to mind, by the way. Oh, I do not. You, you, why don't you roll three years then? Okay. Uh, the Doctors. Mm-hmm. There's Newt Geisler. That's the... Uh, the, the He's the Fantastic Beast and where to find him. That's, That's the, right. Yes. He's the guy who has the magic suitcase oh with all God. the magical beasts. That's right. Uh, got Newt Geisler, played by Elijah Wood. Oh. And then the other scientist, Herman, what's his name? Yeah. Played by Billy Boyd. Billy Boyd. Mm-hmm. Hold on. How do I know Billy Boyd? Now, this one's going to throw you off. This one isn't wait, part of the who's Billy theme. Boyd? Billy Boyd. You're just going to have to wait then, Jesus man. Jesus Christ. I'm looking it up. Uh, go ahead and look it up. Uh, Mako Mori. Yep. That character, that's one that's a little off theme. But I went with Ellen Wong from Scott Pilgrim vs. Oh, World. dude. Knives Chow. Uh-huh. Uh, General Stacker Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Played by Kate Blanchett. Oh, I know who Billy Boyd is. Mm-hmm. Of course. And then uh, Rally Beckett. Oh, you're going female on that. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because have you seen Thor Ragnarok? Yes. Kate Blanchett could totally Dude, be, be Stacker Pentecost, yeah. and Stacker Pentecost doesn't seem like it's a gender uh, specific nope. name. That's right. Uh, and then Raleigh <laughs> Beckett, played by Carl Urban. Ooh. And then this one, my coup de grace. Ooh. All of the Jaegers <laughs> yes. and Kaiju, played by Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis, he's yeah. doing the mocap for yes. That's directed great. by Peter Jackson. Of course, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, um, a, a lot of the camera work seems like something that Peter Jackson would uh-huh. do. Yeah. No uh, stranger to special effects that's right. extravagances mm-hmm. himself. I do not have a theme, uh, although uh, Janet did mention that you could do the cast of uh, Lost. Friends. Oh. Uh, or <laughs> any of the Marvel movies. Uh, or the TV show Hawaii Five O that's on right now. Wait, the original? Oh, the, no, the the, the current one, which also it's shares Scott some Con. lost. Uh, yeah, exactly. Book them, Dano. <laughs> uh, all right, so next I have my scientist, uh, the Charlie Day and Burn. That guy's name is Burn Gorman. How Burn awesome is that? Gorman. Uh, how about uh, Jim Parsons is that guy? <laughs> and then Zach Braff is the Charlie Day character. Love that. A little manic, but we'll tone it down a Love little bit. Love that. To be honest, I almost went with Zach Braff for yeah? that character. Yeah, because he sounds like him with uh-huh. that uh, that high pitched, he does whiny voice. Uh, Rinko Kikuchi, who plays Mako. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, like I said, uh, I wish the director leaned a little bit more into the comedy, a little campiness of it, uh, and that's what my version is going to do, and that's why I am casting Olivia Munn as my Mako. Ah. Uh, a little, little, uh, little more liveliness to her, because I, I was kind of disappointed in that actress. more Blake Lively. She seemed, uh, she seemed a little bland for me. Yeah, yeah, she, she was I, a little bland. I didn't connect with her until I well into the movie. I didn't buy the romance at the end. No. Like, at the very end, as the helicopters are flying by, yes. and like, they're making out on the... I'm like, I, didn't, on I, didn't, the I don't see this happening. Yeah, I agree. 
but they are drift compatible. So I got a drift. Well, can you imagine what the sex is like? <laughs> well, dude, that's another thing about being drift compatible. <laughs> yeah. What if you're like drift compatible with someone that you're really like you're into, uh-huh. and like oh, suddenly they're, they're in your head and they see like all your weird all sex <laughs> fantasies <laughs> that you have about them. You're like, uh, pass that. Don't, don't. <laughs> in fact, never watch so it never again. Never watch it again. <laughs> uh, Olivia Munn. Olivia Munn, and then my Idris Elba, my Stacker Pentecost. I'm going with Blair Underwood. There we go. He's a guy you don't hear a lot about no, you don't. nowadays, but uh, I'm going to bring him back Quentin Tarantino style. Mm-hmm. And then finally, instead of Charlie Hunnam as the Raleigh Beckett character, again, kind of leaning into the comedy. Deadpool. What about Ryan, Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds. We know oh. he's got the look. We know he's got the comedic chops. Dude, that'd be really good. Man. I think so too, right? Yeah. All of this directed by. I'm more proud of the director than I am any of the casting. How about Neil Blomkamp? Oh yes, the guy who did the. Uh, I am consciousness. Chappy. I am Chappy. Chappy. <laughs> I can't do crime. <laughs> Chappy. And oh what, what else did he do? He did District uh, Nine. District Nine. Yeah. Can't you see like his gritty sensibilities uh-huh. in this world? And he did. Didn't he do that that Matt Damon movie? He did uh, Elysium. Where, Elysium with uh, Jodie Foster. Yeah, that's right. That one wasn't. Quite, and that wasn't as good. I think if rumors are to be believed, he's uh, in production of an uh, an alien movie. I thought he was, but I didn't think they greenlit his. Uh, it's still on IMDb, so I think it's up in the air. Mm-dib. No, up in the air was George Clooney. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Neil Blomkamp didn't do that movie. That would be no, weird if he did. That was the Kevin Bacon basketball movie oh, in Africa. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's, that's the right. up there. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, those are deep cuts right there. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's if you have any up. thoughts about Pacific Rim, anything that we didn't touch on, or how you would recast Pacific Rim, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to facebook.com slash editing bay, or in the search function, put in the editing bay. Find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes. Click on that, and uh, that's going to bring you to our Facebook page. Tell us what you think. Uh, if you have movies that you'd like us to talk about in the future, you can put your suggestions there as well. We've also got a website, right, Joe? We sure do. It's editingbay.com. If you can't remember how to get to our Facebook page or our Twitter handle, which is at the Editing Bay, by the way, follow us there. You're always going to be the first to know what movie we're talking about. But uh, if you need to look that stuff up in a little reference, how about editingbay.com? It's the only thing you need to remember. You've got pictures, you've got archives, uh, you know, links to all of our past episodes. We are on 220, I believe. This is our 220th episode. <laughs> 220! Wait, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and uh, all things Editing Bay on editingbay.com. Hey, guys, leave us a rating and review on your podcasting app. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, it's on your Apple device. You're probably using it right now to listen to the podcast uh, in the search function. I love that term, search function. Uh, put in the editing bay, <laughs> tap on our icon, and that's where you can leave us a five-star rating uh, and a review. We'd love to hear what you like about the show. If you've got some criticism, things that you'd like for us to, to bring back, some of our contests or, uh, or anything, you just let us know as long as, it's, as long as it's fair criticism and not you just being a dick and saying, like, they didn't like this movie I like, so fuck them. Oh, yeah, uh, like that Point Break <laughs> review we got a couple years ago? Yes. I'm not bitter, not really. <laughs> uh, yeah, but leave us, a, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Uh, help us grow this show. Really appreciate that. Um, all right, so what are we going to watch next week? Well, Joe, uh, you are once again in the middle of uh, another live action right. on-stage adaptation. Yes, sir. This time, uh, well, no, still being played for laughs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, oh, totally. Yeah. It is It is a uh, a parody of the original script. Interesting. So uh, I will be there. I will be uh, watching you on stage. Opens March 30th. March 30th here in the DFW area at the Pocket Sandwich Theater. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Sweeney Todd. That's right. Right? Yeah. I think uh, with that coming up, do a little cross-promotion here and take an opportunity to talk about um, what may be one of my favorite musicals. What? Well, we'll see. Wow. So we're going to talk about Johnny Depp, Sweeney Todd. That's right. <laughs> I like to think of it as uh, Helena Bottom Carter's 
Sweeney Todd, thank you very much. Okay, she basically uh, is the lead role, Mm -hmm. if not the titular character. Yeah, Um, or Sasha Baron Cohen's Sweeney Todd. There you go. To cut the hair, (laughs) Borat's. Yes, Borat's Sweeney Todd. Uh, All right, cool. I am looking forward to that. And yeah, guys, if you want to check out the uh, the Popcorn Sandwich Theater Sweeney Todd, a melodrama. Uh, that is opening on March 30th. We have a soft opening on the 29th. <laughs> uh, but yeah, opening March 30th uh, and running through like May 12th. Dude, so, holy yeah, shit. We'll be doing this show for a while. Wow. Um, tickets yeah, on sale already? Tickets are on sale now. Pocketsandwich.com. And uh, yeah, yeah, come see us. Throw some popcorn at us. I don't play a big role or anything like that. I play Aww. this uh, like a, a French jeweler and I play a... Uh, <laughs> Uh, a dim-witted assistant to a uh, an asylum dude. Do you have any, any fun character asylum. names? Yes, Scrag. Scrag. I like Scrag. it. Scrag. My character talks like this. Oh, nice. Right. You got a little bit of... Um, uh, uh, fuck. Yeah, fuck. From, I got a little bit of fuck. From Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, and Lord An- of the Rings. Andy Serkis. Got a little bit of Andy Circus from Black Panther. i my name's Claw. I can't wait. And I like things made of vibranium. All right, save it for stage. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> Sweeney Todd, the melodrama Pocket Sandwich Theater opens March 30th. And uh, we will be talking about Johnny Depp's Sweeney Todd here on the podcast next week. Awesome. Jeff, thank you very much, sir. Joel, always a pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. Guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.